Hello and welcome to the Draft Talk podcast. The Draft Talk podcast talks exclusively about the NFL Draft, bringing you news, interviews, scouting reports and of course our legendary top fives. I'm your host today Brian and put it this way, picture if you will, I'm the free safety of the podcast today, lurking in the backfield, keeping things in check, stepping in as and when needed to restore a little order. Then we've got Stu, our strong safety, loves getting down and dirty in the box, no stranger to a big hit. MJ's in the slot. He can cover absolutely anything, regardless of speed and size. And finally, our star corner out there on Jones Island. Don't you dare throw anything silly his way, or he'll put you right in the bin. It's Owen. How are we doing, chaps? Yeah, it's, uh, you've obviously been working on that intro for a couple of weeks, Brian, now. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's gone down well. Quite, quite interested to see what the chaps have to say this week. Yeah, so after that introduction, we're obviously talking quarterbacks, aren't we? <laughs> That was a that was amazing, Ryan. That that was such a big build up. Um, yeah, really looking forward to talking about uh, a couple of more position groups tonight. Yeah, we've had a few delays recording the podcast, so I've I've uh, I had the idea and I've just blown it out there, gone crazy. But anyway, moving on, we are continuing our top five series. Not many left to go now, uh, and you've probably got the hint from the intro. We're doing defensive backs today, of course, safeties and corners. If you're new to the podcast, this is how it goes. Our scouts rank their top five players in position and run through them from five up to one. Learning as we go pretty much everything we need to know about this year's draft class. We're starting off with the safeties and we'll go to Stu. Give us your number five safety from this year's draft class. Okay, so uh, number five for me is uh, Jalen Petrie from Baylor. Um, I think he's someone who had a really high level showing at the senior bowl and has probably alerted people a little bit more to, to him. Um, mostly at Baylor, he's kind of played that hybrid role. He has played quite a lot of almost linebacker, quite close to the to the line of scrimmage. Um, however, he does have the, the ability to cover uh, wide receivers and tight ends with his quickness as well. He uses that blend of, of quickness and size pretty well. Um, I think he's a, a versatile player who... Um, again, has has improved uh, over the years. He's shown year-on-year progression, um, progressed through the senior bowl, has tested well, and I think that he's someone who um, is is going to going to make a team happy when they select Jalen Petrie. Yep. So I, I agree with you, Stu. Uh, I've got him at number five as well. Um, I had a, a couple of guys who were in line for the the fifth position, and in the end, um, went with the experience. Uh, obviously, he's got a lot of snaps under his belt. As you say, he's, he's kind of he's played that hybrid role. Um, he's, he's got a good footballing IQ. He's, he's shown he can be a bit of a jack of all trades, which I think might help his draft stock in terms of a team um, thinking, well, yeah, we, we can find we can definitely find a job for him. Um, he moves very well. He's got a good awareness of space. He, he always likes to be around the ball. He likes to hunt after that ball carrier. Um, and I think, yeah, that experience will come in invaluable. And I think he will transition quite nicely to the NFL. Yeah, let's round this out then. Number five for me is also Jalen Petrie. And there's not a lot I can add there. I would say in terms of his play, I think he's really quick in terms of speed and pace, but also speed of mind as well. Really instinctive. Um, awareness is off the charts. Can work through the box. Adequate as a tackler as well. He's apparently really, really good in interviews. So that probably speaks to a bit of his... Uh, leadership and maturity but um, and the, the cons I guess he's a little bit on the small side so he might get a bit lost coming up against bigger receivers and tight ends but 
yeah, really good for really good football player, and that's why he's at five for me, and the same as these guys. Very good. Let's uh, move on to number four then. Who have you got, MJ? Okay, so number four, I've got uh, Jaquan Brisker from um, Penn State. Um, very sort of physical uh, prospect, um, also versatile, has, has played in a number of, of positions there. Probably like him uh, more playing it, it sort of in that, that box role and um, coming forward, better coming forward towards towards the ball. Very solid player, um, good tackler. Again, another guy who likes to be in and around the ball. He likes to, to seek out where the action is. I think he's got um, good range um, and particularly good uh, in terms of uh, run defence. So I, I think he's another very solid prospect. Um, and I think he'll be um, probably sort of an early day two sort of prospect. This is going very smoothly because Jaquan Brisk is also my number four. Uh, yeah, again, I think he's a really, really good athlete. I think he can move as good as anyone of, of these safeties you know Penn State just turn uh, churns out uh, athletes doesn't it which so shouldn't be any surprise you even look back to last year and what they did with Micah Parsons etc you know really good size as well really bit long really good uh, radius versatile aggressive I think he's a bit of a tone setter and I just think that athleticism means that you know he can get to the spot quickly he's going to be able to make up ground that some others just simply can't you know, stick with his man in coverage when he plays that way. He can track track deep when it's necessary. Got all the size, got all the athleticism, uh, and I agree. I think he's a player who who does everything really well and should be taken uh, early in round two. And you know, a player who's going to offer extremely good value and one of those that might go quietly under the radar for a bit. will have a but will have a really good successful career. Is the consensus going to continue? No. <laughs> Jacon Briscoe is actually number three for me. Um, so, so it's maybe slightly higher on than some of the other guys. Um, he's obviously got a Juco transfer who, who's transferred well, stepping up at Penn State. As time there, he's demonstrated leadership. He's a very energetic player. He's got good length with a, with a good tackle radius. Um, he's demonstrated year-on-year growth. He hits very high. He's played the high post, but he can play in the slot as well. He's a really very good run defender. He, he's that kind of... Um, heat-seeking type of player. He's got very good movement skills, body controlled at a high level as well. Yeah, very, very solid player for me. Maybe slightly higher on than the other two guys, but at three, we're, we've not got much in it. Well, let's go then. Who's your one number threes? Oh, and who's your number three? So I'll, I'll go for my four. Oh, <laughs> before we get to you. so my four is, is, is I wonder if he's going to be some guys two or three, and that's Lewis Sign from Georgia. And I think he's a, a violent physical hitter in the run game. He he comes downhill with a, with an absolute purpose. He's extremely competitive and he's very very tough. He's an outstanding special teamer as well, which teams will like to see. Um. For me, the reason he's four, he's maybe not quite as versatile as some of the other players. He's, he's got a very defined role, what you want Lewis Sign to be, and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. He's very, very good at it. And and particularly in a pass-heavy league, he's maybe less productive in the passing game as some of the other guys. But again, he's a very, very good prospect. And I think there is a lot of splitting hairs between this kind of two, three, four between these guys. Yeah, definitely. So he's number three for me. Um, is it seen or is it sign? 
I think that's going to even when you're watching the draft, you're going to he's going to have his name called all sorts of different ways. So um, I think it's seen. So I'm going to go with seen um, again. I think he's a super aggressive athlete tested absolutely off the charts, but up freaky numbers and uh, was also really productive and integral to uh, to that Georgia defense and the national championship winning uh, squad. And I said aggressive, strong, come down into the box, play hard probably where he thrives the most I would say you know when he can use his explosiveness and strength can bulldoze players you know good change of direction as well which showed up in the testing numbers I think he's intelligent as well when diagnosing plays you know when he does play in coverage I think he does that pretty well um, maybe better in zone than he would be in man where he can maybe sit back and read the play a little bit more use his instincts you know I think he he knows what's going to happen. He's got really good anticipation and say that athleticism allows him to to act on that. And you can play the ball, and make the tackle. I think he's going to be able to come in and contribute however you want him to. And you know, as you said, he, I was going to say even on on special teams on on the notes. So you you're right there, Stu. I think he you know, I think he does go early on day two. But it wouldn't shock me if a team because of those testing numbers, took a chance on him on the end of the first. That wouldn't be one of the shocks because of the testing numbers. They were just so good. Uh, yep. So he, he comes in at number number three for me. Um, not a great deal more to add. I'll just be, be going over what you've said, really. I, I picked up on the, yeah, the footballing IQ, that kind of great anticipation. Obviously, he's, he's tested really well. Um, and, and I've got... I think he was just he was just above brisket for me because I just saw he was the hardest hitter of the lot. I just it was almost unparalleled in how physical he was, and obviously he was a key part of that Georgia defense. Um, and he he rarely misses a tackle. I, I think he's a fairly sure tackler. Um, so yeah, I've just got him a hair's breadth above brisket um, coming in at number three. It just makes you wonder what those Georgia coaches are doing with these guys. The, the athleticism and the power on numerous top defensive guys I would absolutely hate to be an offensive player going against these guys day in day out in training it's it's quite frightening yep just one or two players we'll see from Georgia this year a couple there um moving on number two um oh I you can uh, have the honors thank you very much I think we'll probably all be in agreement here at number two is Daxton Hill from Michigan um Hill is a player who has really grown and probably gained a, a real a lot of momentum through this pre-draft process. You know, a loyal listeners will remember when uh, Joe Marino was on from the Draft Network and he raved about him, and it, you know it was, it was easy to see to see why he liked him so much. And he really does have the ability to to play anywhere in the backfield. You know, he, he's played nickel, he's played corner outside, obviously played safety as well, and he can really do all those things in almost any scheme to where, you know whether you're running heavy man or zone, it, it it won't matter because you'll be able to fit him in. And again, one of those players who's had unbelievable testing, uh, which is which has also helped his rise, a 4.3840, the best three cone and shuttle of any safety at the combine. Quick, smooth, fluid, good size, good length. I just see him as going to be a really successful player and you know he's got the ball skills to, to go with it, which which matters in coverage. More than adequate as a tackler, which is which is good enough. Burst aggressiveness, you can see he's checking all the boxes. And at this point, that's all you need to do. And I'd be shocked if he wasn't the first rounder. And you know, you're seeing him in the top 20 in some people's big boards, and it's easy to see why. 
Yeah, I think for, for Dax Hill and most other years, he would be number one safety. Um, he's a really very productive player in his own that he can play, play all over. Um, he He's really a very competitive player. He's maybe not the biggest guy, but he throws his body around there. He, he uses what he's got well. He, he's smooth and efficient when he's in his tracking and covering, but he also has the, the eyes and discipline to play zone as well. Um, he's, he's quick to read and, and diagnose what's going on. Um, I think if, if he plays as a single high safety on his own, he's got very good range. He can move around the field very quickly. Um, his ball skills are, are good. He's maybe not the best ball skills in the world. He's, he's not had a huge amount of interceptions, but he gets in and around the, um, the whoever's catching the ball to disrupt them, maybe more than his own ball skills, but they're perfectly adequate for, for, for what he's playing. Um, yeah, very, very good player. Day one, quite positively. Yeah, just just to round it out, yeah, Dax Daxon Hill, um, second one for me. Um, likes to get there in a hurry, likes to be physical. I, I guess the the one question is, does he does he have that frame to maintain that physicality in in the NFL when he, he goes up against some of these, you know, bigger receivers? Um, but a very very dependable player. When you get to these top couple of um, picks that we've got here I think you you know you get into the ones whose technique is is the best at this particular position um and I think he's he's got that technique either to to mirror or to close in quickly he's got the instincts he's a good blitzer um he's got all all the tools there and yeah I I I think he will sneak into that first round all right then shock horror who will be number one um, you might have heard of him. If not, prepare. He's, he's pretty good. Um, Stu, who's your number one and, and therefore everyone's? Yeah, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. Um, I think this is uh, someone that you just don't overthink it. I think he's been overthought a lot because he's been so high on everyone's board for, for a year plus. Um, and I wonder if there's, as we've talked about it as well before, um, prospect fatigue with Kyle Hamilton. Don't overthink it. Watch the tape. Don't don't necessarily look at his stats. Watch the tape, as I would say to anyone who's not looked at Kyle Hamilton at all. He's got the IQ. He's got the instincts. He's got size. He's got speed. He's just got absolutely everything. He's a fantastic prospect. I think teams can just truly use him as a defensive weapon. I don't know if they necessarily need to tie him down to one single spot. Um, but the one thing for me that really stood out is you see with a lot of defensive backs a lot of safeties they're absolutely 100 miles an hour and they sometimes get caught out for that I think the thing that makes Kyle Hamilton special is he actually slows down when he needs to um and that change of direction that change of pace that understanding when to go absolutely full throttle when to maybe hang back that extra step it it makes him all, all the more efficient at what he's doing and I think yeah, I've seen him fall out of top tens. I just, I just wouldn't want him to be out with the top ten. He's such a fantastic player, but I think the fact that he's got this label of safety, he might just fall out of that top ten for that reason and that reason only. Yeah, I, I just think, as you say, it, it's madness, isn't it? Some of the stuff that's been talked about with Carl Hamilton. You know, when he he was running those those forties and and various people were losing their minds over the times. Um, as you said, it's really, really simple. Trust the tape. Go back to the tape. Trust what you see on tape. Um, I think he has all all of the traits 
um, and he is a leader. Um, I, I just think his his football IQ, as you say, I think it's going to depend on, okay, where he goes, um, that defensive coordinator recognizing what you've got there, and just giving him, essentially, you know, free reign within a scheme to go go and make those plays. Um, but yeah, I I am a, definitely a believer in Carl Hamilton, and he should be gone by the time we get to pick ten. Yeah, I'm a real big Kyle Hamilton guy. My number one player in this draft. That's not going anywhere. Let's get started with the good. I honestly think, and this might be a little bit hyperbolic, but I think he could define the safety position for the next decade. You know, you look at who the best safeties are in the NFL right now. and I honestly think within four, three, four, five years, he could well be in the discussion because as a prospect, I honestly think he is that good. Just a super rare player, you know, elite for that. You know, I, I label him generational as well. I, you know, we've had the discussion, and I've put out on Twitter as well. I, I honestly think he could be the only generational player in this draft, and just because of what what he can do. And players are not built like him. They don't have his size. They don't have his length. Then you add in the play and you add the film, which the guy spoke about, his awareness, his intelligence, off the charts. You see, the, he, he sees the field better than than anyone else that, that's on the field. He almost knows what's going to happen before the quarterback or the offense have even made their play. And know his play recognition, it, it really is that awesome. That's just his coverage. He can he can blitz really well as well. Uh, you know, he's elusive coming into the box. He can fight through traffic. You know, runs not only with speed but with with raw power. You know, it can play like a linebacker, can tackle as good as any linebacker as well. Just get him in your team and tell him what you want him to do because he will be able to do it. And as the guys touched on there, you're seeing a lot of talk now about you know, at the moment because of his 40 times weren't as good as expected. They weren't horrendous by any means. They weren't good. They were maybe just average, which you know, he is absolutely being uh, slated for. And you know, but scout the the tape, not the box score, like the guy said. You know, he's a blue chip prospect. He's rare. He's an elite talent. He's going to be an impact player straight away for your team. And you know, it's all going to come down to how highly you want to draft a safety. And honestly, if I'm a team who needs everything, like I'm the if I'm the Texans, if I'm the Falcons, then just take the best player available and let everything else fall into place. You know, you hear it. Well, I think the. the was it Bill Palachek and the the Patriots who said don't don't draft for need, draft for value? And Kyle Hamilton is absolutely going to give you that value. And you know, plus when you see there's more and more teams playing with two deep safeties, you know, playing in shell coverages, safety's more valuable in the NFL now than, than it's ever been. So if you're going to draft a, a, a draft a safety highly, you know, these are different times. And oh, I think if you want to use a top ten pick on Kyle Hamilton, it will absolutely be valid. And you know, just use him however you want. He is that good. Wow, there we go. Kyle Hamilton. You hit it here first. <laughs> Maybe not. Um No, you did, because you remember in the summer We did, I remember did, you saying. I remember we did our um generational talent lives at each position. I said there's one generational talent, it was Kyle Hamilton. So, you know, draft talk podcast there first. One of our many first there. Um thank you very much, guys. That's the safeties. Uh we're gonna move on to corners before we do. Give you a quick reminder. We last week we did Defensive line, tackles and edges. Check that out if you haven't already. So then, guys, corners. 
pretty key position, even if you've got a few good ones, it certainly doesn't hurt you to get another. Um, all right, kick us off. Who's your number five corner in this year's draft? Okay, we had some... That's probably the most consensus we've ever had at a position group with the safeties. Yeah, that was really... Uh, it's, that's it's, it's, that's, it's really rare <laughs> for us. It's yeah. rare if I dare. Uh, that's not going to happen. Because my number five is Trent McDuffie from Washington. And um, as a player... I honestly think he can do everything. He, he isn't scheme dependent at all. He can feature in man, he can feature in zone. Uh, and if he was bigger, he may well be able to challenge the top of this class, but his size is extremely difficult to fall in love with. But just on tape, you know, he's got speed, he's got twitch, he's explosive, his acceleration is really, really good. He's an athlete in, in, in deep and short areas, he's explosive. He's a guy who has all the tricks, smooth, fluid, but the arm length is a huge issue for me. And I'm, I'm not particularly fond of drafting a player, however good, with, well, at corner with under 30 inch arms. It's a rarity in the league that, uh, that a corner is successful with that length. And it's going to be an uphill battle for him. And you, you're looking at the fifth percentile for arm length for Trent McDuffie. And it's just difficult to hang your hat on that. But the tape, is damn good but the length is and you know we're going to come on to some of these corners who are very very good so it's just difficult to put him above them for that reason for me but his, his tape is really really good yeah um i can't remember the the exact stat but there was some stat about the amount of players who've even made a pro bowl with under 30 inch arms in the last however many years and is it only is it like it's a sub, two, it's a square three, of like zero in the last decade? Or I don't even think it's any. I think those guys have were thirty inch bang on. Right. Okay. Um, but it's around about it's it's almost a square root of zero. I mean, next to nothing. But uh, I really, really, really like Trent McDuffie, and um, I have him at number four. Um, for that reason, I mean, he's good in man coverage in the short and intermediate routes. He's he's very effective in zone coverage. He he understands play concepts you can see him working out what's happening as as plays are developing he's he's got good ball skills he's an aggressive tackler he offers special team and punt coverage ability I, I think I think his size will will limit him and it will probably limit him to a, to a to a slot nickel corner role I don't think he's going to be you're not wanting Trent McDuffie out on an island against uh, someone like Mike Evans for example it's just just not going to not going to fly, but he, he's such a good player, and it, and and I just wish he would, um, yeah, have longer arms, and I'd be much happier about him. But for me, he's number four. I think just because of that tape and how good a player he is, I want him to buck the trend. But trends don't get bucked very often. He needs to see the guy who's working on Kenny Pickett's hands, doesn't he? <laughs> Maybe get an extra. Well, like we torture rack or something, <laughs> stretch him out of it. Um. So this is this is really this is really fascinating. So um, number one, I am obviously here for the guys with the short arms. So um, I think I've we all got, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've got. Know, I've got have, Trent, we me- have we measured the wingspan and if everyone have we? We did the handspan, but no, we'll have to do that. We'll have to do that next. <laughs> yeah. So and and it's interesting because the way that I've gone about the five is almost I have two groups within the five. Oh, there we go, Brian. Go on there, Brian. You can give me your re- give us your reading in a bit. I haven't got a tape measure handy. Um, so I've got Trent McDuffie much much further up. So I I've got him 
Uh, I think I've got him coming in at number two, but I'll talk about him now, um, seeing as we're, we're talking about short arms. Um, so I've got him as the, the best at that kind of um, height, weight, size combination, which is why I've got him at, at two. And I was kind of splitting up, as we'll talk about later, I've, got, I've kind of got them splitting up the rest of the longer kind of pterodactyl-like um cornerbacks with these huge wingspans and you know uh reach and length um so i i yeah i really like trent mcduffie um great tackler um he's got great technique he doesn't tend to get out of position i think it's it's about where he ends up in the nfl isn't it is he is he going to get pigeonholed and and end up as a a kind of a, a slot corner um but technically i thought of those sorts of corners, he was the best, which is why I've got him at two. And then if I if I go to my other short-armed pick, um, my number five was Roger McCreary from um, Auburn, and I went I went back and forth with this because I know I know a couple of other guys who I think you two might have that that I don't. But I when I watched him back again, it was another at a corner of that ilk of okay, what position are they going to serve in the NFL? Is it is it you know, purely going to be in the slot. But this guy is so battle tested, um, something like 183 targets against him. And he forced the highest number of incompletions uh, last season, which obviously tells you how competitive he is at the catch point. And, and this is one of the things that I really like about some of the draft prospects we talk about, especially some of the guys who aren't quite as tall or aren't quite as long in terms of their their reach. They tend to make up for it with this kind of, tenacity and their technique and they know they have to use their technique and they have to you know try harder and um and try and prove that they can can make them you know make a role for themselves in the nfl so i i just went with um a guy who i thought was really consistent i know he's only going to serve one particular purpose probably in a secondary but i really liked roger mccreary and that's my short arm uh manifesto over and done with can I just pick up on something there and see when you're about Roger McCreary and please don't take this wrong way. But, you know, when he's targeted that much in college, I just wonder then how much more is he going to hit? You know, if they see a weakness oh, yeah. and they're ta- targeting him that much in college, yeah, yeah. how much is he then going to be targeted yeah. in the NFL? That's kind of my worry with that. Yeah. And I also think, and we might talk about this a bit later, I think you've also got the opposite argument for some of the other guys where they were so good in college um, they haven't been targeted for yeah. for so long. So it comes down to me for number five, and t- totally the opposite end of the spectrum from MG. Um, Kyer Elam from Florida is my number five. Um, he's he's got an NFL pedigree. He's, he's got family links to to the NFL. He's he's a really long, rangy corner who who is definitely an outside corner for me, as opposed to opposed to a slot guy. He plays almost exclusively as a as a press man corner, and he does that very very well. And I think there's going to be teams who play that kind of scheme are going to really like Kyer Elam. He really tries to pin down the the corner at the at the line of scrimmage. He started since he was a true freshman. He does probably need to improve his tackling. I think that he sometimes does leave a little bit behind in in that respect. But he's he's physical and he's aggressive. I think he's probably less able than some of some of the smaller shiftier receivers and you and you probably would want him against some of those bigger outside 
um, receivers. His timing and technique on breaking to the ball is really good. His ball tracking is, is is very good as well, which I like to see. And I think that he will he definitely will find a role for himself in that kind of scheme in the NFL. I can feel a recap coming on because this has got messy and we're only at number four. So my number four is Kyrie Elam. Um, for me, I think he plays best in press coverage, as as you said, there in press man, uh, like you said, Stu, a really physical player. I don't think he's overly smooth and I don't think he's overly fluid in his movement, but he's tough and he's physical. And having gone back and you know, looked at more of the tape, I like what I see. I, I see development year on year, good size, tall, got the ball skills. Hip movement is something that he's been slated for a bit because of the testing, but I think his actual movement in play is, is fine. I don't have a problem with it on tape. Some people have problems with it and how he, you know, how he's looked in testing, but it looked fine on tape to me. Good balance, good change of direction. I just think his type of play, which is press man, does tend to go highly. You think of the Patriots scheme, which is now, you know, all over the league, you know, even at the the Raiders. I, I, does he go round one? I don't know. But I think he is that kind of calibre player who you might want to take in the 20s. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was thinking of when you think of Kyrie Lim. He's such a Patriot type yeah. corner and particularly with with what they've lost i do wonder 21 could could they be interested if if a receiver that they want is gone certainly could see it happening he's not going to be for everyone he's not going to be the, the type of guy that everyone wants but but that scheme he, he would fit like a glove uh Stu, do you want to give us your number four yes yeah, so my four is trent mcduffie um kind, kind of covered him a bit um, a player I really like, and it, it, it probably was a toss-up between him and Elam. It was, yeah, I, I just like Trent McTuffie's tape a little bit more. We've kind of we've kind of talked about him a lot, but they were the two. I had I had a clear one, two, three, and Kai and Elam was probably the one who was a bit out of it for me for a while, but I've come back around to him again. So yeah, Trent McTuffie was four for me. All right, MJ, you're number four. Throw that sparring in the works. Let's get crazy. You've been building up to this, haven't you, Brian? <laughs> Since I got um, like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have partly done this on purpose um, so we can get a conversation piece going about this because I think this is, God, I'll keep building it up. I think outside of all the chat about quarterbacks and who's going to take a quarterback, where Derek Stingley goes on, probably on day one, will fascinate me. Whether he goes top 10, whether he makes the end of the first round, somewhere in the middle, who takes him? Um, this is not putting him at number four is not a slight against his traits at all. And I'm sure when the other guys talk about him slightly higher up, you know, uh, you'll, you'll wonder why on earth I've got him at four. But it's just this thing of what have we seen since 2019? You know, you, you, you've got all the 2019 tape, which was great. So you see he's got all the traits. But then since then, there is not an awful lot to go on. And uh, obviously he's he's just um, he's finally now done some of the draft process and he's run a 40 time and it's quick and that was all good, fine. There are still some concerns for me. I, I think on a on a fundamental level there's still some concerns in relation to tackling. I I he's not the, he's not going to be the greatest tackler in this in this class. Um, but if I was sat there with one pick as a team on day one. Would I really spend it on somebody 
who I haven't got a lot to go on in terms of tape for for two years. And, I, and I'm not sure. This is why I think if he does go round one, I think he might go to a team that's got a, either got a couple of picks or a team that um, has one of the better rosters, maybe later on in the draft. Maybe it's a, a playoff team who are picking in, in the 20s and, you know, adding another corner will will just cement them again as, you know, a playoff contender, that sort of thing. Um I was joking with Brian on text beforehand, you know, I'll say all of this and he'll just be absolutely stellar and make Pro Bowl and be Defensive Rookie of the Year. He can be all of those things, but I wanted him at four because just to open up that conversation about, okay, who who is going to take him? Is it a risk? Is that because it's usually me and Owen that disagree that <laughs> you've gone for that just so it's something different for a change? Yeah, I, I, I get your point, absolutely. I'll, I'll probably talk about Stingley a little bit later on for me. Well, before we kick off too much, we'll have a nice friendly consensus, shall we, at number three. Oh, Ian, go on. Who's your number three? And who, who's our number three? OK, yes. Yeah, so uh, that must be Andrew Booth from Clemson. And just in relation to what MJ was saying, which I think is relevant here, I must start out by saying that these top three for me in terms of grading are extremely close as it was. Uh, when we talked about, um, I can't remember what position group we were the on. Tackles. It was, um, yeah, the, the yes, the offensive tackles where I'm it was absolutely the same on this as you. Uh, for me, it's like slide a piece of paper between the yeah, three of them. Yeah, so the tackles, I think I had four, five, and six in a big board, and I think as I currently stand, I think I'm on seven, eight, and then ten in terms of ranking for these. So like, it's it's ridiculously close. Um, I've had them rank three different ways. I only settled on this when I had to finalise them and send them into Brian. I've got absolutely no conviction at all that these three are in the right order, but I am convinced that these three are are the top. And my reasoning, I guess, just to, to bridge let's get them, my reason for having them this way is down to injuries and durability. But Andrew Buffers, as a player, ball skills for days, absolutely gifted as an athlete, long, lanky frame, really tall movement skills are absolutely exceptional uh, he just follows receivers he, you know the way he can mirror routes is, is absolutely fantastic fast he's active ball tracking just some of the interceptions that he can pull off just no one else in this class can pull off because he is that gifted as I said the problem comes down to you know the injuries and I use injuries as plural there and you know I'll try and be as accurate as I can because the information isn't as um, clear as we maybe would like it to be when it comes to injuries with Andrew Booth um, and there are some overlapping and conflicting information but he, he pulled out the combine because he strained his quad then it was reported that he was having surgery for a sports hernia that he suffered this off-season you know, back in 2019 he had surgery to repair a tendon uh, which, you know, he seems to have has had a lot of soft tissue injuries and niggly injuries. He missed a game because of a hamstring sprain in 2021. And I'm not going to knock a player for missing one game, but you can see all these things are starting to spiral and add up a little bit. And you know, really, when these top three are ranked so closely for me, you're just looking for some way of finding some separation. And that was a way that I, I could do that. And, you know, it's also been slightly risk averse as well right now you know um, the NFL you say you can't have misses in the first round a bit what like MJ was saying with Derek Stingley before but you can't have misses in the first round now 
I'm personally happy to take risks uh, and I'm happy to bank on upside. That's what I'm like as an evaluator. You're going to see that when it comes on to, to maybe Derek Stingley in a bit. Uh, but some teams, I think, may look to mitigate that risk by not taking him at the top of the draft. But his play deserves it to be up there. Yeah, Booth Booth is also three for me, as, as Brian hinted at as well, but um, very close amongst all these guys. Booth's got a bit of everything that you want as a corner. He's got size, he's got athleticism, he's got instincts, he's physical, he's tough, ball skills. He's a really fiery competitor. The one thing I mentioned when we're talking about the wide receivers as well, he's got that alpha about him. And and I think it's difficult to define what you, you mean by an alpha, but he he he's the man. He he's in charge of that, and he he's going to give as good as he gets with with anybody. You, you don't always see that with every player, and I'd really like to see it, particularly at your your kind of receiver corner groupings. And he definitely has that. I think he's sometimes a bit overly competitive and lunges at tackles a little bit rather than maybe wrapping up players as much as I would like. But that really is a, a minor critique. I think Booth is. Is somebody that I, I'm certainly high on that it seems to be in a lot of people. He seems to have disappeared from some people's top of the draft boards, and it can only be injury history that, that's doing that. But for me, the soft tissue injuries are maybe not so much a huge concern because because they're all different. It's not repeated of of the same injury all the time, which sometimes can be a bit more of a concern. Has he just had a bit of bad luck, possibly? And um, Booth for me, top 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 player. So yeah, rounding this out, Andrew Booth is is number number three for me as well. Um, and if you said to me in three or four years' time that he actually had the best production of the cornerbacks coming out, it wouldn't surprise me. I think he he's such a good ball hawk. I mean, he pops up so fast with where balls are kind of thrown in front of him. Uh, a little kind of reminiscent a little bit of how sort of Trayvon Diggs has gone off recently for for the Cowboys in terms of the num- you know like that production those interceptions um there are the occasional big plays given up and I think there's some obviously some technique to polish there as Stu mentioned with the tackling um and he doesn't have a ton of experience so I think there will be a bit of a learning curve I hope the the injuries um clear up and I hope he gets a, a good good run at his NFL career. But yeah, if, if you told me three or four years down the line that actually he ends up being the best guy out of this class, wouldn't surprise me. Okay, back to the carnage. Um, I guess we'll, we'll round it up. MJ, give us your number two. He's already been mentioned. I think you mentioned that he was your number two, but uh, tell us about him. Yeah, just, just to mention again then. So so Trent McDuffie was, was number two for me, and that was purely on the, the basis that he was the best. I think he's the best corner at that size. So I have... When we get to number one, I've got my best corner at that particular size. And Trent McDuffie is the, the best guy, I think, who can can fit into the slot. But I think we, we've kind of gone over him quite a bit. So so let's let's get back to the, the Stingley conversation. Let's. Um, all right, who's your number two? Let's guess. Yeah, you wanted Derek Stingley. I'll give you Derek Stingley at number two. So the LSU corner, Derek Stingley at number two for me. Now, on tape and tape alone... I think Derek Stingley would be, for me, on his own at the top of this class and probably a top five overall prospect. A ridiculous athlete who has all the ball skills to match it. And, you know, that, that the ball skills, the athleticism, it nearly always translates to the NFL. So you know, what I see on tape, size, strength, speed, 
an abundance of athleticism, extremely fluid, he's flexible, change of direction is awesome, you know, always active, short area explosiveness, really good. You know, he's got all the speed to get downfield as well. Again, the problem comes down to injury and durability concerns, as I mentioned with, with Andrew Booth. So he tore a ligament in his left foot and has had a Lisfranc injury. You know, uh, he was given a time scale of about six months, which is why we haven't seen so much of him this last season and heard from him this off season. You know, you look at the list of players who have suffered from Liz Frank injuries, and I'll be honest with you, it's not really a fun read. And only really Julio Jones continued playing at an extremely high level for for. You know, more than four or five years after his um, after his Liz Frank injury, you know, Le'Veon Bell went downhill after his after you know, a couple of years later. MJD retired a year after his. Uh, we've just seen the Jags running back um, Travis Etienne. He's been sidelined for a whole season with his. We'll see how he comes back. And you know, I'm not saying that that Derek Stingley can't do it, and I'm not saying that other people can't do it, but he would be one of the few people in the NFL who were able to play for a decade or more after suffering this kind of injury. You know, even after returning from a list, Frank, players still suffer from pain and, you know, they still suffer from, you know, weakened joints and things like that when you're reading reports. You know, you know currently, you know, his pro day numbers, if they're anything to go by, he certainly hasn't slowed down at all. They were they were ridiculous numbers. Um, you know, and by the time it comes to him needing his second contract, that's when I kind of worry that this history might catch up with him, you know, when the pain just maybe can get a bit too much. And I guess we won't know, uh, some teams may look at it and, and try and limit that mitigation of any risk, which I, which I talked about, you know, if you're going to take one of these guys, do you take the one which you can't miss on, which I think I have at number one. And I think, well, MJ definitely has it, number one. But I think as a player in Derek Stingley, his tape is absolutely outstanding. So there hasn't been a lot of it over the last couple of years, but I'm happy to bank on him if that injury it plays in my mind. I'm going to get a bit scientific on it and give you Please a, bit, do, of, a bit, I want bit, bit, of, bit of science. So this is... Um, from the American Journal of Sports Medicine, here we go, done done six years ago, so not a fairly recent-ish study, where they took 28 NFL athletes who sustained Liz Franks, uh, 11 offensive, 17 defensive players, two never returned to the NFL, and 26 of them did, and it took them approximately 11 months. Mm, offensive and defensive players experienced a decrease in the performance, that did not reach statistical significance when compared to peers. So for me, it's less concerning given that data that there's not a there's no, there's nothing statistically different between those and, and the peers, and that's on a a study from that they looked at in, in quite in depth. So yes, there is concerns about it, but um, you know where you can put that study. It's definitely not going in the bin. <laughs> that can't go in the bin. It's, it's on PubMed. You can't you can't go wrong if it's on PubMed. Um, but yeah, all season is yeah, injury is a concern. Uh, I do get it absolutely. But Stingley Dam is so bloody good. Yeah. He's so bloody good. Um, I have him at number one for that reason. I think if he comes back from this injury, which which is every statistical chance he can, um, he's he's a number one corner for me. His, his freshman year was unbelievable. 
he's he's got elite speed, he's fluid hips, ball skills, length, he's strong, he's got good instincts, he's he's technical with his man to man. 2020 was a bit of a write off an injury, and 2021, I wonder if he'd have been better just skipping the whole year. Yeah. LSU was absolute chaos, and um, it was, and it was just he he saw these guys coming off the COVID years, taking a year off to prepare for the draft. Your Micah Parsons, Sewell Slate, it did them absolutely no harm, and I wonder if Stingley should have done that. But I, I wanted to have Gardner as well. I just couldn't do it. I just thought Stingley's just too good. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm banking that he's going to be as good as it. I'm, I'm going to be the risk taker and say I'll take Stingley. So, so here's one I, I think for for our listeners, let's let's get them involved when uh, when they're listening back to this podcast, and we we put it out there on on Twitter that it's up. I, I think the listeners should be should be tweeting whether they're team Stingley or not. You know, get get involved. Send us a tweet. Tell us whether you agree that. You know, Stingley's still going to go early, or are you worried about the injury? Well, Dr. Stu, now he is a doctor, and he's just come up with a, you know, a medical journal, and he's not worried about it. So he must be fine. Hey, don't be be taking my medical advice. (laughs) (laughs) It's always educational, isn't it? MJ's gravity well from the other week. (laughs) I think what I saw in it was that, you know, He's going to be absolutely fine, but a lot of these the, the players that we you see have these injuries. You know, they maybe don't have a decade left in the NFL anyway. So entering and having that injury so young, and, and if he, you know, if he, do you want to then pay him a second contract and then you've paid him all that money, which is probably all going to be guaranteed now, and then he loses that step of pace or you know the pain just becomes a bit too much. That's what. I mean, about mitigating the risk and, you know, when you take a player who has that, you're not just, you know, yes, you want the play immediately. But I'm I was thinking more towards when it gets to that second contract. Do I worry a little bit more there? Yeah, I, I get it. But you, you know how many first round players are going to be whiffs anyway. There's a there's a there's a big percentage of them. I, 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 if I was going to gamble, I would, I would take it on the guy that I've seen be good. That's fair. Talking of which, we've got one player left. Um, you can do the maths. It'll be Stu's number two and MJ and Owen's number one. So, all right, introduce, well, numbers-wise, our number one, your number one, the quarterback for this year's draft class. Yeah, the source, Ahmad Gardner from Cincinnati. All the way through his college career, there's been a question about the quality of opposition that Cincinnati have gone up against but he shut all them up and Cincinnati shut all them up. You know, all they, all the questions were answered when they faced Alabama in the college football playoff semi-final and Amar Gardner's quality absolutely shone through. They didn't throw the ball his way, which probably tells you absolutely everything and that Alabama wanted to go nowhere near him. And I go back to what I said with the other two, with Andrew Booth and with Derek Stingley. As an evaluator... I'm very much not risk averse. I would say I may be more prone to taking a risk than others because by the time they fall, people have forgotten about it anyway. So it doesn't really matter. But here, when I have them ranked so closely, 
I've kind of just opted for the clean prospect. You know, it's maybe, you know, being a bit of a chicken, but Gardner's tape is is so good that I, I don't think it matters. You know, he's an absolute dominant corner. He has the length to make up for any deficiencies that he might have. You know, you hear people call the NFL a beauty pageant and, you know, in a close call, I just think that some teams may look at him and go, he's the cleanest. He's the best in that aspect. You know, his athleticism, I think, is, is truly, really, really good. A, a true ball hawk. Seems to always know where the football is. He's just got an eye for his football IQ is outstanding. He reads quarterbacks and, and routes really well. Speed, exceptional. I think you can play him wherever you want to in any any scheme as well. I think he's just a really clean prospect. In terms of cons, I said it back in the summer as well. I do think you can get a bit needlessly grabby at times, but that's something that you see a lot in college corners. I'm not necessarily going to knock him and not others for it because it is something you see, but you can get away with it a bit in college because it's only a, a 15 yard penalty whereas in the NFL it's it's at the spot of the foul which you know if NFL teams do want to target him you know, that could come into it uh, but uh, you know, he's a top player and you, you're seeing that come through now yep so he is my number one um, he's I think he's the first guy I did a, a report on last summer I think I just saw a guy that called himself source and just thought, I've, got, I've got to look this guy up and um, j- just to give you some stats, so um, uh, if you saw a quarterback with 18 completions out of 37 attempts for 122 yards, no touchdowns and three interceptions, um, you might think you were watching the Giants. But um, actually, that's the that's the stats against Gardner for the last season and a passer rating of 22.6. Um, never allowed a touchdown in his in his college career. Um, Owens mentioned all all the the traits that he has. He, he's also um, a one in terms of character. You know that the guy doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. He is clearly, you know, dialed in to being an NFL pro. Um, and my my only slight concern is probably he's his stats have been so good in the college level. What happens when he gets to the NFL and, and you know, inevitably he, he's going to give up a touchdown. He's going to give up some plays. Um, so as much as it is for any of these players, you know, there is a learning curve for somebody who's been that good at the college level. And I think that will be interesting in terms of his character to just see how he bounces back when the inevitable does happen. Um, but I think he, you know, he for me, he'll be first quarterback off the board. And it'll be it'll be early. Can I change my mind? <laughs> after our uh, after we've gone on about that study, I've just clicked on the very next link, and they they have ab- arguing the absolute opposite point. That's another similar study. Oh, so, so uh, it could have gone in the bin. So it could officially have gone in, the bin. in the bin. It's well, official. It's official in the bin. So it just goes to show us doctors know all about what we're what we're talking about really doesn't it <laughs> but yeah so there, there's there's although it does say offensive players had the greater decline so we might might just give them that one anyway on to yeah sauce great prospect he's going to be the first corner off the board i think um i think teams will have little qualms or concerns about taking sauce um he's got all the tools that you want as a corner the, the only downside is that he's a little bit grabby but he's gonna he'll soon learn after that after a couple of penalties go against him in week one and two he'll soon be uh berated by his defensive coordinator for that and it'll cut out i think fairly quickly but he's got excellent coverage instincts he's he's feisty he's long he's athletic 
pretty much got every kind of trait that you want. I think he is probably a slightly better zone coverage than, but he can cover man well as well. You know, it's it's not it's not an issue for him. I don't think he's scheme specific. I think he plays really well on that half turn. Um, so so he, he can either follow man or if he, that opportunity comes, he's gonna he's gonna take an underthrown ball as well. There's plenty of ball production there. Sauce is a top guy, and if you're going to call yourself Sauce, you better be good. So, and he is. Well, there we go. So our top five corners. Any honourable mentions? Any that nearly made it but didn't quite? No. No, I think the top five was pretty clear cut for me. I would say they're the they're the 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 top five. Um, MJ's got. Um, Roger McCreary in there as well, which I think will be taken on day two. And I think there's going to be, you're going to be able to pick up some athletes and some players on day two. You know, I don't know if it's particularly deep as a corner class, but, you know, if you want one, I'd be taking one early. But I think you are going to be able to get some uh, uh, developmental prospects in day two and early, early day three. Yeah, I'd agree. We had the same top five, so can't argue with that. Yeah, I don't order. I haven't got anybody else with shorter arms to to talk about. Um, the the only other guy who I was considering actually uh, was Kyler Gordon at, at Washington because I think he's got some very nice athletic traits. I think technique wise, there's still some stuff to work on. But um, in terms of um, athletic traits, I I thought that um, and he's obviously coming down with Trent McDuffie as well. So what Washington obviously producing good corners. Um, so I'd I'd watch out for where Kyler Gordon goes as well. And how would you say this class, especially the the sort of top two or three, sack up against the likes of J.C. Horn, Patrick Satan? I know we really like them two last year coming out. Are they on a par? Are they a little bit better? What would you say? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I think we, there was sorry, I think there was three top. I think we've got three, a clear cut three for me, and I think I had a clear cut three last year as well in uh, Far- Satan, yeah. Horn, and, and Caleb Farley. Um, I can't remember who I had as number one last year. If I'm, going I think to be we honest. all had to do tan, didn't we? Yeah, I think we I think did. Uh, yeah, who are you going to leave out of that as a top five? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I'd still take Satan. I think he's still out, out of this year and last year. I think I'd probably still take Satan. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think I, talking about those top threes, I think Satan, Horn and Farley, I think I might just take those. But that's probably um, partly to, to do with the injury concerns we've talked about of the guys coming out. Yeah, I think as a group, I would take these three over those because I wasn't a Farley guy. I had him at four. I had Eric Stokes, who ended up going to Green Bay at three above Farley. So I think as a group, I would take these. Uh, and in terms of where... Maybe Sir Tan is the top corner. Where would I have him ranked as knees? Maybe three, maybe even four. Good. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 when, they, when these guys come into the league, though, they're going to have to perform well to be better than Sir Tan because he had a very good first season. But I think when when we're looking back at that, you're looking at the prospect coming out rather than what they've done in the NFL because he's got that head start. He's had a year of production, so I think there's this automatic, oh, Sir Tan's better because he's had a good yeah. year. Coming out, was he better? Mm, he might squeeze somewhere in that in between those guys but we're not sure I must admit well there we go safety's corners some future NFL stars for you there and if you want to learn about some more well check out our other podcast we've already touched on over 50 players and there'll be more to come in the last few weeks
before the draft. Keep an eye out for those. So don't forget to head to our Twitter at 99yards and our website 99yards.com. Plenty on there. Recently released seven round mocks for each and every team. Well worth a look at. And there's plenty more there too, including our mock draft simulator. Well worth a go. Or seven every single day if you're anything like me. Plenty of fun. And we'll be back next week. Take care. We'll speak to them. Yeah.